We're so glad you're here this morning. We're glad that you're listening via the podcast. I have kind of a real neat testimony to this. So I got a new Bible. I'm excited about that. It's an easy read Bible. comes with pictures and video illustrations. No, actually, it's just the words are bigger because for some reason the words are getting smaller in my other Bible. I don't know how that happened. We're gonna... So, so this, um, this young girl that was in our youth group at the First Baptist Church years ago, she happened to catch the message last week on, her po- on the podcast, which I, I thought, you know, it's cool that we have a podcast. I mean, it sounds awesome when I'm talking to all my pastor friends. Yeah, we have a podcast, all right? Now, we don't have a video, but we do have a podcast. I have a better face for podcasts than I do video, so that actually works out pretty sweet. But she listened to the message, and she said it really encouraged her, and it came at a perfect time, and thought, man, what, what a blessing that we have that kind of technology, and thank you to to my friend Zach back there that made that happen. So I wanted to share with you, just, you know, I noticed that we're not, we have, we've, we're not a hand-raising church yet, all right? You know how some people raise hands in worship? And so I was talking to a guy the other day, and I thought, you know, there's, we got to change this up a little bit. So, so like, so if you were to raise your hands like this, you know, you practice with me, all right? Don't, don't feel bad. You're, you're not, yeah, there you go. Raise your hands like this, all right? It's like, yes, Lord, it's the why. Here we are. You know where this is going, don't you? And then, Lord, please bless me. Come on, follow along. There you go. For, you, for those of you on the podcast, you cannot see this right now. Now, Christ is all we need. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> It is only fitting, because here we are at the YMCA. So, interesting fact. I thought each week I'll give you some interesting facts, stuff that doesn't, won't necessarily change your life, but it could enlighten you a little bit. For one, the YMCA was founded in 1844 by George Williams and 11 friends who joined together to organize the first Young Men's, young men's Christian Association in industrialized London. Now, the reason why the, they, they started was because they saw... Um, a need to meet some practical and spiritual needs of young men who were flocking to London during the Industrial Revolution. So they had all these young people, and they wanted to, to provide something positive for them. The Y has served the military and military families in every U.S. conflict since the Civil War. Uh, the Y met immigrants coming off the boats at Ellis Island to offer services and support in making a new life. The Y began the first night school in English as a second language course. That was interesting. The Y was responsible for inventing a group swimming lessons, basketball, by the way, and also volleyball, which was called Mintonet. They, they, just, they just kind of put all these sports together, and they came up with, come up with volleyball and racquetball, and they gave those sports to the community. And then they also provided quality and affordable child care when women began joining the workforce in droves. And so it's just interesting that the why it has this, this deep root of helping people come to just live a better life. And so obviously we're excited to be in the YMCA to help you obviously come to know Jesus who can definitely help you with a better life. Let's pray together and then we'll jump in. So Lord, we thank you so much for just another opportunity. Every week it's, it's a new journey and a new adventure with you. Every day is that way, God. And we thank you for the fact that we're, we can be here together in this community center to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today um, through your word. I pray you speak to me today through your word and that we would 
like Ryan was saying, we would take something with us and leave this place to make our lives and the lives around us just better because we are here to commune with you today, Lord, and to commune with each other. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we looked at one of Jesus' disciples, his Talmudim, and it was Peter that we really focused on, and we talked about the what, what's next moments in our life, whether it's really, really good things that happen, or like, okay, God, what's next, or it's really, really difficult things in our life, and we're like, now what's next? And we have all those moments in life. We can all experience those. We all have experienced those. Last week, we saw Peter failing, we saw Peter fishing, and we saw Peter following Jesus. That was like what Jesus said, hey, just, just follow me. That's what I want from you. And I think those were good words of encouragement. So I want to look in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 24. So if you brought a Bible with you, a friend of mine um, had an opportunity to, to purchase some Bibles for the church, and so we'll have some Bibles available. That will be good eventually when those come in. And so look at uh, chapter 24 in the book of Luke, starting with verse 36. And so it says that uh, Jesus is appearing to his disciples. It's towards the end of Jesus' time on earth. Jesus has already had uh, some interactions with his disciples, appeared to many different people. He had already had some interaction with Peter. And it says that while they were still talking about this, which, by the way, if you ever see something like this, while they were still talking about this, a good Bible study tool would be to look back and say, what were they talking about? So if you ever wonder, what am I supposed to read and I'm start here, well, look back a little bit and figure out what's the storyline, what's the context of what's going on. So it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. Now, they were startled and frightened, thinking maybe they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do, you, why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did, not, still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them just a real practical question. Do you have anything here to eat? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. By the way, if you wanted an easy verse to memorize, right there, it's you are witnesses of these things. You could amaze your friends and your family with memorizing scripture. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Then it says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. And so this was kind of like the what's next for the disciples. You know, Jesus said, You know, he prepared them, he taught them, and then he left, and he left them behind to carry on this message, to be witnesses to everything that Jesus had taught them. This, if you look in Matthew chapter 28, this is where the Great Commission might have occurred, where Jesus told them that you must go into all the world, 
reminding people of what I have taught you and to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which, by the way, if you, if you feel like if there's a time in your life where you say, you know what, Brady, I've never, really been, I've never been baptized. I've really wanted to do that. We, we want to do that. And we want to set up a time where we can walk out of this room, go to the pool, and baptize somebody here at the YMCA. I'm excited about that. I've talked with them. They said they don't think it'll be an issue. And now that they got all of the, We can baptize you in the lazy river. You can just float down. And you, as you come around, we'll baptize you. It's just, we'll just, I'll just stand there and baptize you. Just come out, like an assembly line. That would be great. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should never let the youth pastor become a pastor. That's what happens. So that'll be cool. So the, the great commission is that we will, that God, you know, Jesus gave them the authority to do this, and he said, now it's your responsibility to teach these things. And then there was a period of time where he, he told them that you need to wait in the city until you're clothed with power. So there was a time where they were waiting for 10 days. 10 days they waited until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were clothed with power because, for one, they weren't going to be able to accomplish this task that Jesus gave them without him filling them and making them able to do it. There's no way they could do it on their own. And so there was a 10-day period of time. And so I'm wondering what the disciples were doing while they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, if they were alive today and it was around this time, they'd be watching the World Cup together, wouldn't they? It's just like bringing the world together. They'd all be gathered to watch the World Cup. But they didn't have, obviously they didn't have TV, but they didn't have the New Testament written in words yet back then. But they had just spent three years with the living word. They'd spent three years learning from Jesus, the master teacher. And you can imagine them sitting around with the word, the living word burning in their hearts with great joy. And they were probably a little bit of joy mixed with fear too because you know still there was a lot of turmoil Jesus had just left they were, they were fearing for their lives they were gathered together and it said that they had uh, stayed at the continually at the temple praying to God so they were you know they were praying and they were waiting and I'm wondering if they were thinking about the things that Jesus had taught them up to this point uh, they, they they were probably thinking about the two greatest commandments and they were standing around listening to Jesus tell someone what the two greatest commandments were and that were to love God and to love each other. So like, okay, well, Jesus taught us that. He taught us how to pray. He taught us how to stretch our food dollar with a couple fish and some bread. We watched him do some amazing things there. We watched um, him wash each other's, wash our feet. He taught us that, uh, how to serve and to love others. He showed us the full extent of his love. And then towards the end, they watched him transform the Passover meal during the Last Supper. And so that we're here to celebrate today communion. And so just to give you a little bit of history, a little bit of background, some of it's refresher course for, for you because you've heard it. Some of it, maybe you've never really heard it taught before. But as they gathered around the table to celebrate the Passover, Jesus transformed it into something that we celebrate today. He talked about the, the lamb that was that was going to be slain and he probably reminded them about how they were in Egypt and the, their, their people, their ancestors were there in captivity and they were set free on the night when, when they were all told to take the blood of the lamb and put it over their door frames so that when the, the uh, angel of death came, the plague of death came, it would pass over them and they would be set free. It's amazing that we talk about that kind of independence freedom from sin and freedom from captivity when we remember the 4th of July coming up and we talk about the independence that we, that we celebrate here in America. So it's a good thing to remember. But Jesus, Jesus transformed it because he 
begins to ho- hopefully open their minds to see that he is the lamb that is going to be slain. That he was the lamb of God. That it was not a, a lamb that you were going to kill and put blood over your doorframe, but instead it was going to be him crucified on a cross, blood spilled, so that you could apply that to your heart so that when death comes, and surely it will come for all of us, it'll pass over you and you'll experience life. Does that make sense? So powerful. I did a funeral a few days ago for a precious woman who loved her children, loved her grandchildren. There was lots of tears and lots of emotion because she was such an incredible person. She was a good person. But you know what? Ultimately, that really doesn't matter how good you are unless you really know who Jesus is. And so while I was there, I always pray this. I said, God, give me somebody that will come to me and give me some insight into her spiritual life because I didn't know her. And so a woman sat down next to me the the night of the visitation, the night before, and she said, I know you're going to want to know this. She, her name was Christiane, which means follower of Christ, which was interesting. She gave her life to Jesus in her last days. In, In French, she was praying and asking, she was repenting and asking for forgiveness. And she said, I see the angels and I see Jesus coming to get me. Oh, man, as a pastor, that just brings great peace and joy. That just adds some little, some fuel to the fire because come the next day when it comes to preach her sermon or her funeral, I, I know we can grieve, but we can grieve with hope because she knows who Jesus is. And so Jesus taught them about the, um, about the Passover and, and he transforms it into this new thing that we celebrate today. And at the end of the service, we'll all celebrate it together and it's going to be a beautiful time. So you might, um, you might have heard of communion before. Uh, maybe you've heard it called the Lord's Supper, or if you are from a Catholic background, maybe the Eucharist. It's a sacrament of communion. It's something that Jesus uh, tells us to do. The New Testament Passover meal, the, the body and the blood of Jesus, maybe different ways that you've heard it explained. But I want to just kind of unpack it a little bit. For one, communion is a service of Christian worship in which bread and wine, or in juice in this case, are consecrated, and then they're shared among the believers. It's the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or a spiritual level. Communion is more than just bread and and juice. It is about connecting with the Father and connecting with His children, with one another. Like there's something special in sharing. Like when we eat together, isn't there something special about eating together? I mean, we all do that a lot, don't we? It's all over Facebook. Like, they're all sharing a meal, and we're all eating. And we love eating together. Why is that? I think we were created for that. Communion is a practice that is meant to be observed over and over throughout the life of a Christian. It's a holy time of worship when we corporately come together as one body to remember and celebrate what Christ did for us. So I have this interesting story uh, one time I was at a youth workers conference in Dallas. My wife and I went together. And back then there was a real move in youth ministry of these things called prayer or, uh, labyrinths. And so you could go to different stations and experience God in different ways and reflection. You, like there was a station where you'd go and you'd look in a mirror and you would think about God's creation and, and, you, and you'd just think about how wonderfully he made you. And, and we'd have these things called CD players. I don't know if some of you, some of you remember those, some of the younger kids, maybe not. CD players that you'd hold, like a Walkman. <laughs> you'd have your little earphones on and you'd walk around and it would lead you through and there'd be this nice relaxing music playing and you're, just, you're meditating and oh, it's a beautiful time. So we walked through all these different stations 
And then at the end, you come to the center of this room where they have the Lord's Supper prepared. And so I went, and I stood there, and I looked, and okay, there was a cup on one side and a cup on the other, and I was a little confused by that. And I think, well, maybe it's just because it gives two people an opportunity to do it at the same time. And I'm thinking, well, there's only one cup. Well, maybe they actually come in and set the cup up for you for each individual to have their worship experience. So I just sat down at the one closest to me, unbeknownst to me that it was the wine side and there was the juice side on the other side. So a little background, I grew up Baptist. There was never wine in the cup. And when there were cups, there were individual little cups passed to you in a tray. You didn't get your own big cup. And I always thought I was, I got to die and gone to heaven. This is great. So I sit down and I, I take the body and I give thanks and I'm just praying and you know, making myself right before the Lord, and I, I still do not realize this, the wine side, and I pick up the cup, and I take a big old gulp. I was like, whoa, man, this is not my childhood juice that we had back in the day. This is not my mom's communion. Plus, why are there crumbs in here? And then it began to dawn on me that I wasn't supposed to do it that way. I was supposed to take the bread and dip it in and then receive it. But I drank it, and then I'm thinking, oh, shoot, I might as well go ahead and finish it because nobody else is going to want to drink after me. No, I didn't do that. My wife wondered why I came out so relaxed. I don't know if it was the relaxing music that was going on, but I never got any instruction on how I was supposed to do it. I just thought my tradition was as I took the bread and I drank the cup. One time I took my little brother to see my big brother in Roswell, New Mexico, when we, and they had service. And they were doing the Lord's Supper, and they do it a little bit different. You, everybody comes forward, takes a wafer, dip it, take it, and move on. My little brother is a unique individual. He, he wasn't really paying attention, but he had the same tradition I had. So he goes up, they give him the wafer, he takes it, he eats it immediately, and then he begins this struggle with the woman holding the cup. And like he, he was going to get a drink of that if it was the last thing he did. I was like, Chris, no. I was like, no, don't. You're supposed to dip it. And he's like, oh, okay. I didn't know. So just for you to know how we're going to do it today, so you're not confused, <laughs> we'll eventually, we'll all move to the back. You'll grab a cup. You'll grab some bread. And then you'll come back and stand together. And then we'll take it together so it's not confusing to you. So I thought that was interesting. So does anybody else have a different way that you've done it like we'll do a little group participation here we're a small crowd we can do this anything different you've experienced growing up other than like the tray coming to you and your little thimble yeah a little thimble full of juice I was always like excited to have the juice wishing there was a little more though it's like it didn't quite clear the palate from the little wafer a little chiclet that we had I'll drink out of the same cup all right that's that's very interesting yeah it's like a stainless steel you know, we're a little, little more uh, germ conscious now. <laughs> we're all like hand sanitizing and how do you like keep that thing clean? Um, anything else? Any other different ways that you've experienced? No? Oh, they would serve it to you. They put it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That's a little. Yeah, that's right. And there's all different ways to, uh, to look at it. So we observe communion. For the number one reason, and that's because Jesus told us to. And so look at Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 7. 
So then the day came of, of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Well, where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. And he replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God. Okay, first of all, did you ever notice there's more than one cup in this particular passage? We always think of the one cup. He takes that after he, he breaks the bread. But there's more than, in, this, in the Passover meal, there would be more than one cup. There would actually be up to four cups. One would be the cup of sanctification, uh, a cup of judgment, then followed by the cup of redemption, which is what we celebrate, the cup of Christ redeeming us by the shedding of his blood. And then there was a cup of the kingdom. And so it's, it's fascinating to me that Jesus says, I won't drink of it again. Like, we won't share the last cup until all of this is fulfilled, until I come again, and we'll have that great wedding feast together, the wedding feast of the Lamb, and we will celebrate, and we will all share the Lord's Supper together. That is a powerful thought. So what do we do in the meantime? Well, we, we follow what we're going to do today. It says, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and he gave it to them. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus gives them the model. He's always giving us examples. He's always showing us what it is that we should do. He's always telling us and loving us and giving us things, things that we should follow and things that will bless us if we are obedient to him. So I wonder if the, I wonder if the early disciples that were waiting those 10 days, I wonder if they shared the Lord's Supper together. Now, they didn't, know, they didn't know that later Paul would say that we should do this and proclaim it until Jesus returns. They, didn't, they hadn't got that word yet, but I wonder if they thought, well, that's what Jesus taught us, so let's just go ahead and do it, and maybe it'll hasten his return. And so they, shared, they must have shared the Lord's Supper together. Once again, it wasn't like the Passover would only happen once a year. Now you can serve the Lord's Supper or share it any time. You could have it in your home. One time I went to a, I went to a funeral, and, and uh, because it was in the Catholic Church, and I, I get how, the reason why they do these things, but they wouldn't allow us to participate. And I had some teenagers with me because we went to celebrate the life of a young person who had died in our school district, and I wanted to be there with these teenagers. And so we left the, the funeral, and we went to um, which, uh, the, a restaurant that used to be there in, in uh, Zona Rosa that closed down. I, I can't remember what it was called now. But we went there, and we served, we had communion together. It was the most expensive communion that I've ever shared. We had shot glasses full of grape juice and like some special cheesy bread or something that they brought out. But it was awesome because we could share this supper no matter where we're at and we can ask God's 
presence to be with us. And the magic is not necessarily in the elements as it is in your heart and the reason why we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And it was a powerful, powerful time. So I wonder if the guys, the disciples were gathered together in that room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and they were looking back to the freedom and the redemption that came uh, for the people of Israel when they left Egypt. And then they were thinking about, I wonder if they were thinking about, man, what about the freedom that has come and the redemption that has come through what Jesus just got through doing? Like, did they really fully understand it right then? The question is, is do we really fully understand it today? <laughs> what it is that Jesus has done for us, the gift that he has given to us through his death and his resurrection. See, remember the funeral that I was talking about? His resurrection changes everything. It means everything. It means everything to this woman who was laying horizontal in the casket because even though she's dead, the Bible says, because he's the resurrection and the life, she really is alive. More alive than any of us were there that day. A perspective of death that none of us have. Because we sit on the other side of heaven. So it changes everything for us, the resurrection. And so when we celebrate this time together, when we are waiting ourselves, in a sense, for God to come, to be among us, to encourage us today, to maybe, maybe we'll be waiting today for the Lord to come and to, to forgive us of some sin in our life that we need to confess you know jesus did say that repentance and forgiveness of sin will be spoken in my name from now on and you're my witnesses you know today is a good day for us to consider our own lives and to think about are there things in our life that we need to repent of is there freedom that needs to come in our own life because we need to confess our sin and the bible says paul went on to say that you need to prepare yourself and you need to Make yourself ready or examine yourself before you go to the table. So here's, here's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to spend a few moments just being quiet before the Lord. And then when, um, when the music starts, we're going, to play, we're going to play a video. I'm going to get out of the way because it's going to shine on my face otherwise. And here's what we'll do. So if you're in the, in the front, you will come to the middle aisle, go back and take a cup and take some bread and go back around and go back to your seat. And then the next row will go. And we'll just work our way towards the back. And then once everybody has the bread and the juice, then we will share the Lord's Supper together. And so let us just spend, Zach, I'll give you a cue in just a minute. Let's just, let's just bow our heads. So let's just, in some way, pretend like we are these early disciples. We're waiting together. We're praying continually. We're, we're making ourselves ready. I mean, they were, waiting, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and fill them. And I would think that as we're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us today, that we would want to examine ourselves and we want to want to be clean before the Lord. God, make us a vessel unto honor. God, would you just speak to us about anything in our life that we need to confess, anything that we need to get right before you, anything that we need to repent of, meaning turn away, from and walk the other direction. God, I pray you'd make us ready to receive this. I pray that we would commune with you today. We would just have this connection with you, Father, that is maybe more special or different than any other time before in our life. 
that you would meet us at the table. You would recline with us. And we would know that you're here. So come, Holy Spirit. The next chapter, because the book of Luke ends, and then it picks up in the book of Acts. So in the very first chapter of the book of Acts, it says in my former book, talking about the book of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach, and until the day he was taken up to heaven, and after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After, this, he, sa- after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go in to heaven. And so for all of us who sit here today, we still wait for that day. Now, we're not standing there looking intently up into heaven, you know, with our YMCA thing like, Lord, we're just waiting for you to come. But at the same time, we are waiting. And what are we to be doing in the meantime? What are we supposed to be about? What are we witnesses of? And who are we supposed to share this message with? Well, for one, I feel like I am fulfilling the calling God has on my life, standing here this morning and speaking these words to you. But it's not just about me. It's about us. It's about those who are convinced. If we're a part of the convinced, (laughs) that we know the hope and the truth that is in Christ Jesus, and we have hope that even when we die, we don't have to grieve without it because we know we're going to be with, in the presence of the Lord. If we have that hope, we are to be about spreading that message to those people around us, looking for opportunities to speak truth and to, to love other people, love other people radically like Jesus loved them, washing their feet, serving them, whatever it looks like. As we were getting ready to plant this church, I met with several different church planting organizations because there's so many different movements throughout the earth of church plants and what it should look like and all those different things. One of the most fascinating ones that I met with was with, with a guy who planted churches in Nepal. He planted churches all over this foreign land and he planted them in such unique ways. Different than North America, it's, it, it's a completely different paradigm. But one of the things he said that, that works here in North America and they kind of adapted it from where they were is is looking for opportunities to have conversations with people in your life to see if they know the same Jesus that you know. Or at least if they don't know him, how can you introduce him to him or them to him? So one of the strategies is they do something very simple, and this is something I want you to take with you today. It's a real simple strategy. When you're in a place of, in the public or you're around friends or whatever, uh, maybe ask them this simple question. 
hey, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? Now, everybody wants a miracle, don't they? I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't want some type of a miracle in their life. And I don't know anybody that doesn't have something that they need in their life. You may have a miracle for a family member, a miracle for yourself personally. And I've had some interesting responses when I ask this question. A lot of times I'll ask it at a restaurant to the waiter or the waitress. Most of the time, uh, I think people feel like, well, who am I to deserve a miracle? I feel like, why should I even ask? Well, first, that's the wrong way to approach it. We can come boldly before the throne of the Lord. And you can ask God, like, God, I need this in my life. And if God knows you need it and you pray about it, then, then I believe he's present there. He's, he's interested in what you need. And then what you do is then you try to, to somehow get some contact information or at least commit to praying for that person about that miracle. And then you follow up with them eventually and say, hey, I, remember I met you last week and I, I've been praying. It gives you another excuse to go back to the restaurant and eat again. Um, but you go back and you say, hey, you know, remember I was talking to you, I asked you about this miracle. Hey, how's it going? I've been praying. Have you been praying? Now, if they acknowledge that there is a God and they need a miracle, then you know at least the door's open for a spiritual conversation. Now, if they say, oh, no, thank you, I don't believe God's real or whatever, well, then you know the miracle they need right there, and you can begin praying for that person. So it's like you get some information, right, from them right then. And you don't have to be pushy about it, but I think it's just a real sign of like, hey, I just care about you and I just want to know. So let me ask you this morning, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would it be? And so I encourage you to fill out the prayer card, those cards that are available to you, and let us know. Let us know how we can be praying for you. We've gotten a little bit, every week we've gotten more prayer requests, and we meet together and we pray over those things. And I, and I think that's just a, it's a responsibility that we have as a church to be praying for those, for those things. And so let us finish with a, a word of prayer, and then we'll be done today. So God, we thank you so much that you have an interest in our life, that you want to commune with us. You want to spend time with us. You want us to be connected to, to others that are connected to you. And God, you know this morning what, what miracles we need in our own, our own life. God, you're the provider. You're the giver of all good gifts. So we can come to you because of our faith and our hope in Jesus. We can come to you. Lord, I pray right now that in this room there might be some that have never really put their hope in Jesus and the miracle that they need is to know Jesus, to receive redemption, to be set free from captivity of sin and be this freedom to walk with you, Lord, and to know um, life, eternal life now and eternal life someday. God, that would be an incredible miracle. They put their faith and trust in you today. But Lord, you know our hearts, you know what we need, and we can come before you and you, you want to hear us. You sit and you listen. Your ear is attentive to our prayers. and So, God, I pray that you'd move and have your way. Like we would we'd make a difference in our homes, make a difference in the community that we live in because we put our hope in you. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.